Welcome to LOL You're Gay, a gay comedy podcast with Adam Myatt and Lisa Buchanan. So let's settle in to episode one of LOL You're Gay. So hi, Lisa. Hi, Adam. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little sleepy. Yeah, me too. Brain's not firing on all the cylinders that are usually there. Yeah. No, I don't think mine is either, but we're going to get through this together. I think we will. So what are we doing? I think our idea was to make a podcast about comedy and being gay Mm -hmm. and how those two things often intersect Mm -hmm. and sometimes not. Mm -hmm. I'm really contributing a lot to this. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is kind of the, the, the broad strokes of what we're going to try to do. Um, our show is called LOL You're Gay. Uh, we are going to do a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, this is our first episode, so we're kind of just getting our footing. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk to some people and talk about things that make us laugh and talk about being gay and uh, how all those things kind of go together. Yeah. And should we talk about the title and how it was chosen? So the title of the show, uh, LOL You're Gay, uh, comes from you know, a common phrase people you know, often use uh, in kind of a in kind of a mean way, um, but I think it's kind of a, a fun thing to say, um, especially you know when you're talking when you're one gay person talking to another. Um, I think it's kind of cozy, um, and so we're gonna take it and make it cozy, you yeah, know? Um, and uh, make it our own. Make it our own because sometimes things are funny, and we're gay. Yeah. Often, I think gay, I think gay people are naturally comedians. You know? I have long thought the same thing. Yeah, a lot of my favorite comedians are gay, and I think on some level I've used comedy um, to put people at ease with the fact that I'm gay. Mm-hmm. I've used it in that way, and it does help. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I've done the same thing. Yeah. Definitely, like, especially, like, in high school and things like that, I always did improv and dinner theaters and stuff like that. And it was kind of like a way to um, be a different character or kind of play a different role than something that you feel comfortable um, being yourself. And I thought that was kind of a, a an interesting thing when I was younger. Yeah. When I was really little and not aware that I was gay, even then I did impressions a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I liked doing voices and accents and things like that. And I think it gets at the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you could take on a different personality or yeah, I can't do it anymore, but I did at one time have a good Bullwinkle impression <laughs> when Full House was on. And that was a thing that everybody seemed to want to master. Right. Yeah. I, I'm sure I had similar <laughs> uh, television impressions, but I, I can't remember what they would have been. I would be too embarrassed even if I did remember what they were to actually admit it. Yeah. And now I use comedy because in my work, which is not comedy related at all, um, I do have to do a fair bit of public speaking mm-hmm. or I, and I've in non-work related things, I've facilitated a lot of meetings or group conversations. And um, this is not news to anybody, but starting with a joke when you're, at the front of a room behind a microphone mm-hmm. really does help warm up a crowd totally, and can be very helpful in 
contexts that are potentially rather serious or dull. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to <laughs> kind of lighten the mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Like I, I did um, uh, education around LGBT uh, issues for a long time. It was my job. And um, yeah, I definitely found that like I had a much higher success rate um, of people actually like listening to what I had to say if I was also funny. Um, so it was definitely a mechanism that I used and uh, was actually a great uh, practice for uh, kind of future comedic aspirations that sure. I had. Because um, I feel like my the transition from um, educator to comedian um, was pretty smooth because I was already ready. I was already uh, had a lot of practice being in front of people and, you know, talking about stuff that was kind of tough to talk about, which I think comedy is a great mechanism for because um, I think comedy is that kind of mechanism of empathy. To me, I think the main thing comedy is to me is about is about empathy and about connecting with people um, and feeling you know, not so alone in what you're talking about. And I think that was the same when I was doing those, doing that education work. Um, yeah. Would you like to introduce ourselves? Sure. Tell them a little bit more about us. So I'm Adam. Uh, I am a uh, stand-up comedian, uh, primarily, I guess, uh, in Halifax. Um, I grew up on the Eastern Shore of Nova Scotia, but I live in the city now. Um, I have been doing stand-up comedy for about a year and a half, um, and I've written in that time. I've written two um, short plays that have been in the Fringe Festival. Um, I was a comedian in residence in the Halifax uh, Queer Acts Film or not Film Festival, Queer Acts uh, Theater Festival, um, and I had a short play in there that I co-wrote with a friend of mine. Um, so the last like you know year and a half, two years have been pretty full of jokes and. Uh, you know, telling telling jokes. Uh, it's been pretty fun. So that's that's kind of a very brief introduction to me. And my name is Lisa Buchanan, and my very brief introduction is that I am not a stand-up comedian in Halifax. Um, I have performed stand-up on one occasion a couple of months back. It went pretty well, I think. Yes. Um, so I'm hoping in the future to do more of that and do some more writing Um I need a bit of a creative outlet, I think, and this is something where I've I've written jokes even since I was young. I was just remembering that in about the first or second grade, I had a one of those green, like mint green coiled notebooks mm -hmm. with a margin down the middle. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it was there um, or why I had that particular style of notebook, but um, I remember one distinctly where I... I liked to draw when I was a kid, so I drew pictures of puns <laughs> <laughs> that I thought I had come up with. Right. Uh, and, in, you know, at that age, you kind of did come up with them on your own. You just mm -hmm. weren't the first person to think of uh, the phrase holy mackerel, which is something commonly <laughs> said in Cape Breton where I grew up and yeah. in my house in particular, uh, being an actual mackerel in a minister or priest's collar <laughs> behind a pulpit. And I, drawing a picture of that. I got a picture of a macro with a bunch of holes in it. That's that was my another original example. Head, yeah. But, but I like I that went better. The that's church much more route. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Less morbid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I've always found little outlets for, for jokes. Yeah. Um, was involved with the drama club in my high school and mm -hmm. did some writing through that. <laughs> of course we were. So early GSAs. 
exactly. <laughs> yeah, there was no GSA in my high school in two, 1999 through 2002. So yeah. the drama club it was, yeah. or drama club, where I'm from. Those are gay straight alliances for uh, those of you who aren't familiar. Right. And we didn't have them no. back in the turn of the century. I, uh, you mentioning that reminds me of, um, the, the first time I remember wanting to tell people jokes or wanting to like be funny. Um, I was at a birthday party when I was a kid and, um, we were probably nine or 10 whenever Hanson was a thing. Um, I don't remember exactly when that was, but it was a while ago. Um, and, uh, the song Mbop was playing on the radio or it wasn't, it was on the TV. There was a watch. We were watching the music video. Um, and, uh, I started singing along to the song, but instead of saying Mbop, I said Mplop and I killed <laughs> that crowd. They love that joke so much. Bunch of nine year. Oh my God. That's a nine year old's favorite joke. Mplop. Mplop. It was great. So, uh, I just want to put it out there that that is, uh, that's my joke. So <laughs> own it. If you've heard it in the world, uh it originated from me. And uh if you're at that birthday party and you're out there telling that joke now, I'm coming for you. <laughs> if you've earned any money from that joke. I expect royalties. I think you should. Yeah, I think it's only fair. Yeah. So we kind of started talking about um our personal histories with comedy. Mm-hmm. Um maybe we should expand on that a little bit mm-hmm. um just as this is our first episode i think it'll provide some useful context for where we're going with our podcast yeah so for so for me comedy was always a tool that um it was a way for me to kind of make sense of the world i guess um because it, it, things are weird and confusing and hard to talk about sometimes and I always found it a lot easier if we were having kind of like a lighthearted conversation about something that could even be heavy um, because it it's it, you can flesh out a lot more in that conversation than kind of like just having a really dark <laughs> conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's why to me, I like a pretty broad range of comedy, but um, satire is something that really appeals to me for mm-hmm. that reason that it's, um, it's it's difficult and it can confuse people a lot as uh, we all learned recently when Tina Fey uh, made an appearance on Weekend Update in the summer and nobody understood satire all of a sudden. <laughs> um, but it is, uh, for me, satire is a way of addressing really difficult, challenging social issues, for example, mm-hmm. political stuff that's going on um, in a way that's thoughtful sometimes a lot more thoughtful than what you hear from political pundits. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's presented in a way that requires you as a consumer of media and comedy and the world um, to do some work Mm -hmm. of thinking through the issue and thinking through the joke. Yeah. Or the, if there's not necessarily a joke in a a satirical piece, but thinking through the humor. Yeah. And how it's been executed and what that how that translates into the real world situation yeah yeah i always kind of i guess until recently saw comedy as not recently but like in the last few years comedy was comedy's always talked about kind of in this like 
way that's like it it it's not very intelligent. It's kind of like oh, you know, you make like a a fart joke or something and that that's and that that's what people think all comedy is just fart jokes. Right. And I love a good fart joke. Absolutely. Though. I'm a sucker for a fart joke. And a fart joke can be both a fart joke and extremely intelligent. And that's what I love about it and I you can say so much with a fart joke. And it's true. I never understood that. Right? And then one day I did and everything kind of flipped on its head for me and I only want to see things through the lens of comedy now. And I know <laughs> I know maybe that's a more narrow, but I I, I don't know. I think, I just feel like I see everything through that lens. And yeah, I get kind of like confused when I'm talking about it. But it's it's I, I guess it's because it's hard to articulate what comedy means to me. Like I'm really proud to say that I'm a comedian. When I tell people that I'm a comedian, they, they are like I, a lot of people don't believe that I'm a comedian because like I guess my everyday kind of interaction with most people is like I'm just kind of this like kind of grumpy, kind of tired guy who's just like at the end of his rope. I feel like that's most people's impressions of me. Um, and so when I like, I think a lot of the times when I'm meeting someone for the first time, my funniest jokes are them hearing that I'm a comedian. They laugh really hard at that <laughs> because they're like, that is impossible. But I think that's just because we have a really narrow idea of what comedy is. And so there's so many comedians, like my favorite comedian is Maria Bamford and she just annihilates what comedy is and just like blows it up into this thing that is just so interesting and uh, introspective and relatable and I just sit with my jaw on the floor every time I listen to her tell jokes because they're just I can't even explain what they do for me like they just make me feel so good and I know that yep. it's kind of vague and big but it they do yeah I think that there's the thing that I struggle with sometimes with seeing comedy in just about anything is that I have to make sure that I'm not desensitizing myself mm -hmm. and only seeing, oh, here's the absurd way of viewing this tragic situation mm -hmm. that has happened or that in which we find ourselves. Um, so I have to sometimes make sure that I see the joke second. Yeah. Um, but it's often there. Yeah. And, well, there's that age-old um, formula that comedy is tragedy mm -hmm. plus time. Yeah. And it makes so much sense to me. Yeah. It's particularly in the context. So uh, I think probably people who don't know me very well would also be surprised if, if I told them I'm trying out stand-up comedy mm -hmm. um, because I'm probably come off as a, like a type A proofreader um <laughs> who's you know i don't know what people think of me but um that's that sums it up for me that's what i thought of you <laughs> type a proofreader for type sure a proofreader yeah. and i'm fine with that that's part of my identity <laughs> but it's only a part um so there's a there's a scene in season five of the wire which is probably one of the best shows ever on television just like everybody says it is <laughs> Um, and it's, it, the scene takes place in a newsroom and there has been, I think a fire or something in a building. Mm -hmm. And one of the older guys in the newsroom 
spends a couple of minutes explaining to one of the younger journalists that uh, she has in a, incorrectly used the word evacuate mm-hmm. because she has used it in reference to the people rather than the building. Mm-hmm. And he explains to her that to evacuate a person is to give them an enema. <laughs> so as a result of this and knowing the correct definition of a word, mm-hmm. specifically the word evacuate, I can't absorb news about natural disasters or fires without reading a headline that causes me to burst out laughing. (laughs) Because despite the fact that I I think anybody in the news media should have watched season five of The Wire, (laughs) the error is still made. But in the moment, I can't share that because it is not funny to anybody else. And it's not funny in that moment because of the the time being too close. Yeah. But I save screen grabs right. of these headlines. You got to do it. So that someday, when enough time has passed, it will be funny mm-hmm. that hundreds of people were evacuated <laughs> due to a fire. <laughs> I really, I really believe in that formula. Um, I believe in that formula primarily. I believe in that formula primarily. Because um, I've personally experienced uh, an unbalanced formula. Yeah. Um, it can get, you can do it wrong. You can do it wrong. And I've done it wrong. And I've done it wrong. And um, nothing catastrophically, but um, just when you're like, when I'm, when I'm telling a joke, a lot of my, a lot of my standup is about my life or just about stuff I've experienced. And I, and I, I think that's because like, primarily for me comedy is about empathy and so that's what i'm interested in um even that's if even if that's about like how in how like just so frustrated i was that mcdonald's did my sunday wrong like i i know that sounds trivial but like it's it's just kind of like in the minutiae of like everyday life um and like the little tiny things that make us you know really upset inside and we kind of like push it down um and I've definitely tried uh, new jokes um, that, the like I said, the formula wasn't balanced and the time was too small and I wasn't finding the funny in it. I was just really still upset about what, would, what had happened. And so I wasn't being funny. I was just being really upset with yeah. the microphone in my You were hand. just being tragic. I was just being really, really sad yeah. uh, in a room of four people listening to me and it's 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 really humbling when there's you know four or five people there and they're really concerned for you <laughs> primarily like they're not really laughing so much as they are very concerned um and so yeah so like i really i really really believe in that formula because it's true um but i've also been on the other side of that formula because um one of my first jokes, one of my favorite jokes, is about a website that I visited when I was extremely depressed. I was having a really, really hard few months, and I was like, I found myself laying in bed one day, and I was like, I got to be depressed. Like, this has got to be a thing that I am. And so I Googled the symptoms of depression, and I found this website called depressionhurts.ca, and I was like, great. So I check out the website, and um, it's a regular kind of self-help website, but there's a page counter on the website. Um, that tells me how many people have been to this website make you feel not so alone. But when I visited the website, I said, depressionhurts.ca, you are not alone. Over 
zero <laughs> visitors. And that's one of my favorite jokes. It's I think a, it's, it's so funny. It's a really funny. good joke. I've heard you tell it and I was laughing in anticipation. Because I love that joke because it when I when that happened to me, I laughed. Like when I Googled that on my phone, I went to that website, I was laying in bed half in tears because I was really sad and half in tears because I was it was so funny. And I couldn't deny how funny that was. And and how like like I, I have no like religious affiliation or belief but i believe in comedy and i believe that like just sometimes when you're really needed it happens and i'm i'm really grateful for that because i think there are people that don't see that yeah you know like i've met people that like don't see the kind of like magical everyday little tiny comedy and I think that's so sad. I feel so sad for those people because I do see it and it makes my life worth living. Yeah. Anyway, I'm kind of grandstanding now, but I love comedy so much. It's the best. It is pretty much the best. Comedy and dogs for me are the best. Yeah. They're they're, a- they serve a similar function in my life, which is like comfort and a little bit of therapy. Yeah, and absolutely. Just, like when I see a dog... Coming down the sidewalk, it happened to me at lunch today when I was walking home. Mm-hmm. I just, my, f- I can feel my face light up. Yeah. And people have commented on it to me. <laughs> I was, all summer I've been going to a boot camp class that's held outdoors mm-hmm. at the Commons in Dartmouth. High dog uh, walking area. So there's usually a couple of them walking by. And my classmates and the instructor see me when i see a dog and they talk about how my face just like mm-hmm. starts to burst at the sight <laughs> of a dog but i think comedy has that i don't know if it's endorphins or what is happening in my yeah. brain um but i think it's funny and i'd like to hear your thoughts on this um i've been super unsuccessful with online dating and uh, you know through lack of effort for the most part mm-hmm. um but one of the things that I find, uh, it gives me a chuckle and immediately a swipe left, which is the negative. Mm-hmm. If I see somebody who in their little blurb has said something along the lines of, I love to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> or I have a great sense, I have a sense of humor or I am looking for someone with a sense of humor. Right. So good, you're looking for a human being, in my mind, I think. <laughs> Who doesn't love to laugh, or at least like to laugh? Yeah. They may not be finding, like you said, the the sort of hidden hu- comedy and yeah. humor in your everyday interactions. But I have yet to meet somebody who has is devoid of a sense of humor. Mm. They may not have a good sense of humor. Right. We may not agree on what's funny, mm-hmm. but I think it's part of human nature to have some sense of humor. Otherwise, there's probably something else going on. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's funny when people put that in their profile, like it's yeah. a distinguishing characteristic of them as an individual. Yeah. I love to laugh. I took a screen grab of this profile from tinder Mm -hmm. um to send to my friend because i knew that she would hate it as much as i did (laughs) and also laugh 
this person was just six kilometers away, and I let her go, <laughs> despite the, this this particular profile. Nothing lasts forever, so live it up, drink it down, and laugh it off. Avoid the bullshit, take chances, and never regret, because at one point, it's exactly what you wanted. Take the good with the bad, and smile with the sad. <laughs> Love what you've got, and remember what you've had. Always forgive, but never forget. Learn from your mistakes, but never regret. People change, and things go wrong. Just remember that life goes on. That's prophetic. I thought so. (laughs) And I didn't even read it with the actual punctuation and capitalization (laughs) that is used. I'm sure that's mayhem. A little bit. I'm really glad that I found that screen grab. It uh, took a few minutes, and thanks to editing, you'll never know <laughs> how long it did take. But my, I used to have a phone that was uh, had too small of a hard drive to handle the new operating system, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was deleting all my texts within 30 days, if not sooner, because I just couldn't handle. 10 text messages anymore right um but fortunately uh the default setting on this phone uh meant that the screen grab in the text messaging was still there Mm -hmm. i was able to retrieve it yeah i have a hard time i don't think i could delete text messages i'm like I'm, i'm deeply a sentimentalist when it comes to like keeping things and that's like not just physical things that's like digital footprint that's like everything that i've ever touched or been involved with i have to have so <laughs> yes, I'm I'm much the same. I'm a bit of a pack rat physically and um electronically and I I'm sure that I have nearly every email that any ex-girlfriend ever sent me. Mm-hmm. There's only been a couple of them, but <laughs> a lot of emails. Right. Um the exception being when one day a few years ago I logged in to check on my Hotmail account that mm-hmm. I hadn't used for a long time. And Hotmail had decided that it had been so long since I had logged in that they were just deleted everything from my account. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. That's so bad. It was pretty bad. It was like they thought I was dead, (laughs) but in reality, I had just found out about Gmail. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I never had Hotmail. I was a really early Gmail convert. You're lucky. I I was a late convert, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. But somebody got me onto it in university when they told me that in comparison to something like Hotmail or good old Dal Webmail, um, <laughs> you could label things with mul- in multiple categories mm-hmm. as opposed to just finding one folder where it fit. Right. This was life-changing <laughs> for me. But I started on Yahoo mm-hmm. um, with an account that I think is probably defunct at this point where I've forgotten the... Um, access code except that the email address was I had a nickname in elementary school that I acquired at summer camp which was Little Bean Right. Um, and then the next year I went back to camp and I was slightly taller so I just got shortened to Bean Mm -hmm. so I used that a lot and I like whenever I drew something that was my signature on it so my (laughs) first email address um, because Lisa Bean was taken Already, By who? <laughs> somebody <laughs> named Lisa with the same freaking nickname as me. 
um, I just removed the A and replaced it with an underscore. Yeah. So it was L I S underscore B E A N mm-hmm. at yahoo.ca. Mm-hmm. Shoot me an email. I won't <laughs> find it. Uh, somebody else may have it. Um, and it wasn't until about a year, maybe a couple of years later, that I shared this email address with a friend. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it looks like lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like not aware of my sexuality at all at this point. But looking back, I think that's that's hilarious. That's one of the little incredible and you know, hidden moments of comedic joy that I discovered about my own life that my first email address was the word lesbian with the I and the (laughs) E switched around. That's incredible. (laughs) I, I have a a, a similar sexuality related email story. Um, I, my, my first Gmail account, um, it was before the time where it would just be your name right now. It's my email is just Adam J. at gmail.com. Send me an email, say hi. Um, but, uh, before and I was like, I think it was in junior high school or maybe high school when I made it. Um, because up until then we basically just had all these weird free emails from just these like really sketchy sites. I remember I had an at beer.com email. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was anymore, but we de- like me and a friend of them, we had them in like junior high school. I, and I also, I did not drink until I was 19 when I was allowed to. And I was like, okay, now I'll do it. But so it was weird that I had a beer.com, but it was a free email. So I took it. Um, but my first Gmail uh, account was uh, Mr. Dot Thurman at gmail.com. Now, you probably understand what I'm getting at, but I was insinuating that I was Uma Thurman's husband. Oh my God, I love that. Right? I was a big fan of Kill Bill. Whenever, whenever I made this email, I was really into Kill Bill. And so that was the email that I made. And so for so long, like, I. I, I, I felt like I couldn't come out until I changed my email address. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because you were so in love with Uma. Because I was, I was apparently so in love with Uma Thurman. I just thought she was a great actor and uh, really nailed that role. I love that movie. It's true. And uh, so, I mean, I want, yeah. If, if you're someone out there listening that has a uh, sexuality-related email address story, uh send it to us maybe we'll talk about it at some point that could be a funny reoccurring segment now and then i think that's a very good idea yeah or even just like weird bad email addresses um because we all had them for sure um and you know the worse the better for us because you know the worse the funnier yeah great i'm really i think this is going well it's a good episode i'm definitely going to listen to this podcast yeah (laughs) i will have two listeners at least it's great (laughs) so lastly uh we're going to share our laughs of the week uh this is where we're going to talk about something that made us laugh this week uh as the name would imply so i'm going to get uh lisa to start sure um my Lots of things have made me laugh this week, but the one that felt really uh, like it was a joke written just for me appeared on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. on a, you know, a semi-decent season premiere episode um, in one of the pre-recorded bits. Um, t- 
titled Papyrus, which was a revealed in the end to be a made-up movie trailer for a film called Papyrus, which is about a man who, years after the film's release, is still uh, very, very irritated by the fact that the person who did the graphic design for the film Avatar for the promotional materials simply used the papyrus font <laughs> for the film's title. And this appealed to me more than it probably did to most people because I am at the intersection of the Venn diagram of people who care a lot about typography and people who hate Avatar. <laughs> I love that. That's so nice. I'm, I'm glad that it happened for you. Thank you. I, I love when someone finds something that really does it for them. I uh, was... Uh, watching some TED Talks, which I don't usually do. Uh, it's not my real, it's not really my thing, but um, there are some kind of funnier ones. And um, there was this comedian uh, named James Veach, and he has this kind of series of videos online. But the one, the first one that I watched um, was called The Agony of Trying to Unsubscribe. And it's essentially him chronicling uh, trying to unsubscribe from this mail out this email mailing that he didn't subscribe for in the first place. And of course I, he didn't. No, no one ever subscribes to anything. We just somehow end up on these lists. And he's talking about um, at first trying to unsubscribe and then um, it's not working. And so he keeps getting these updates about this new store that's opening in his town. And so he starts responding to his spam uh, and he starts trying to make a party plan with the person sending him <laughs> these emails about this like new store launch and he starts emailing about booking bouncy castles and and all of these things and the person on the other end starts getting increasingly frustrated with him because it's probably becoming clear he's just kind of like wasting his time yep. um to the point where he just gets this automated reply saying your case number is x and it has his long number and then he doesn't really know what to respond to that with he responds a few times with just like the guy's name. I think it was Dan. He said, Dan, Dan, are you there, Dan? And he keeps getting these case numbers. And so he decides to respond to the case number with his own case number. And he just <laughs> copies the email and pastes it in his own email, but changes the number to a bunch of zeros and one. And then he gets a response from the computer with the next number. And he sends another corresponding email but he doesn't want to like waste his time doing this forever. So he sets up an autoresponder in his email and then he forgets about it. And then he remembers a while later and he realizes that 20,000 emails have gone back and forth between these people, between these like machines that are just like pinging off each other. And that made me so happy. I laughed so hard when I was listening to this guy talk about this thing because it's like, like you said, it's like, I feel like that was written specifically for me because I spend so much of my time unsubscribing to email lists that I have not subscribed to. Yeah. And I've never really thought about responding to them. But maybe now I will. You can find us online on Instagram and Twitter at LOLURGAYPOD. That's L-O-L-U-R-G-A-Y-P-O-D and on facebook.com slash lolurgaypod. Thank you for listening. Now please enjoy This Week in Royalty Free Music.